sweets to the sweet, and so shall the sweets be claimed by those deserving of them. If I am not the shadow seen in the corner of your eye after the light comes on, then I am nothing. I exist as cold sweat in the middle of the night, a shiver in a warm room. So shall the legend remain without question. Come with me. Be my victim. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do. everyone this is podcast of the dead the podcast about all things horror related i'm zach palmer sitting next to me is isaac wright Hello. and joining us from the very gay void <laughs> is chrissy beetle all right lads and uh this week we're continuing that uh barker bonanza yep. this is episode two of the barker <laughs> bonanza talking about candy man it's a good movie. And, I had not seen this movie before we uh, did it for the podcast, and this is an amazing movie. We have a lot is. of stuff to talk about. Very, very good. <laughs> so the, because we have so much to talk about with this movie, we're just going to skip over news entirely. Also, not, nothing happened. Not that there... <laughs> yeah, not that any... Yeah, no news really happened anyway, so it, there's not really much news to talk about, but this is the continuation of that Barker Bonanza for Pride Month. Yay. Uh, happy Pride, everyone. Is is the fact I want to fuck Candyman news? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it was news to me. We we haven't we haven't put a, a, a single segment in our outline for Chrissy to talk about how much they want to screw Tony Todd, but it is going to be peppered throughout. Yes, <laughs> there will be a sprinkling. <laughs> Look, it's Pride Month and I'm queer. I'm allowed. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is the the type of behavior that we encourage here. And there's going to be a lot of this. <laughs> a lot of this is going to be said. It's actually a fairly decent Tony Todd impression. An okay one. <laughs> not the best. <laughs> I feel like if you watched it a couple more times in practice, she'd be really Like, yeah, if I could, could think of any specific line, like, it might be better, like, if I could, like, get the intonations down. But, but right now, it's just a really low voice. <laughs> See, I could do much better. Do you like scary movies? <laughs> See, I could do yeah. that a lot better because is, I remember the line. You also watch Scream a lot more. I watch it pretty much every two months or so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that and Terminator are the two movies that I watched more than yeah. anything yeah, else. You get stuck on Terminator I don't too, know why don't... either. Not even Terminator 2. Fuck that movie. No, no, no. When Terminator... I say two, I mean two. T-O-O-2. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I got not you. number I, yes. two. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, <laughs> Just Arnie's ass. That's, that's half of it, I think. <laughs> Good ass. And original B packs, fucking early B packs. That's the other big reason. Early. I need to stop talking about Terminator. This isn't about Terminator. You're okay, the one. Man. You're the one who's. I know. I'm you sorry. need to I'm stop yelling at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I scream at my, myself. <laughs> scream at the baby. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Candyman. That's what we're talking about today. Candyman is, uh, I think, probably my favorite 
uh, Barker adaption, actually. After seeing it, I think I'm going to agree with you. But yeah, I haven't seen, I, Nightbre- I haven't seen I Nightbreed yet. I do love Nightbreed, and I'm pretty sure Nightbreed is Chrissy's favorite. Yes, Nightbreed is mm-hmm. my favorite, just because so many gay overtones. <laughs> yeah, but I love, I think I love Candyman the most because it's just such a good story. It's a good it story. It's a really it, lovely story. It's a good yeah. story. Like, the book is original, and then they adapted it well for an American audience and for a, a more American, I guess... Uh, commentary, yeah. I, I guess, was, is the way to say it. Just yeah. I mean, it definitely has the same commentary for both sides, but it, it incorporates race in the American version, so that makes it just a little bit different. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about that real quick because there is the the story that Candyman is adapted from was a short, short story by uh, Clive Barker called the Forbidden, and uh, the Forbidden was a really kind of a, a commentary on the the British class system because uh, the Forbidden was set in uh, Britain in I. I guess in in Liverpool, right? You said. Um, I don't think it's set in Liverpool. I think it's it is set actually in set in the states. It's been a while since I read it, but oh, really? it's oh. got... no, no. The 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 Forbidden is definitely set in the UK. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, been so long since I read it, but yeah, no, it's not set in Liverpool. But there's lots of references that you can pick up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to what uh, the Forbidden is all about, and kind of like the undertones that it's talking about. But the Forbidden, uh, let's let's talk about the synopsis of that, and then we'll talk about how that translates into Candyman. Uh, so the Forbidden is about a, a college student, which I, I don't remember if she's still called Helen in the Forbidden. It's been a long time since I read that, but uh, it's it's about a college student who's re- researching uh, urban legends, and then comes across uh, Candyman, uh, the story of Candyman. And uh, basically, she it just gets deeper and deeper into her researching it, and then she basically uh, is killed by Candyman, and just uh, it, she gains notoriety as being Candyman's latest victim. Um, is Candyman's origin in The Forbidden the same as it is in the movie? I because that seems like a sure. very specific like American thing. Because uh, what 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 is it in the movie? He's like a he's a slave whose owner. Uh, no, 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 no. He's the he's the son of a slave. Oh, he's yeah. the son of a yeah, slave. Yeah, but he oh, okay. grow he grows up uh, affluently, like he goes to the best schools and everything because oh, that's right. yeah. because his dad makes that that thing for uh, making it easier to uh, make shoes after the Civil that's War right. or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he grows up affluently and he's like he becomes an artist mm-hmm. um, and everything, and that's that's where he gets caught up with the the that woman who he's doing the the painting of, and mm-hmm. then they fall in love, and then that's why they they lynch him. Oh, that's right, and then that's when they cover him with honey and, and set that's him on actually fire. Explained and... More well, they the cut off his hand book. first. Uh, true. It, it's that one, not the second book. The second movie in Farewell to the Flesh, it that's really explored more, which is really interesting. Oh, they talk they talk about the background more. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if they. Um, I, I'm actually not sure. Um, I guess honestly. The whole aspect of him being the son of a slave isn't really important. I feel like in the Forbidden that might not have even been explored, but it could. I, I think his origin story is the same, actually. Really? And, yeah. uh, and now that I, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually that the the college student in the Forbidden was actually researching graffiti and then stumbled across the Candyman. Urban Which makes legend. sense. That's kind of yeah. how they present it in the movie, right? As well. Yeah. There's a lot of graffiti mm-hmm. in, in in art in. Uh, in just Candyman, that face so. with the with the hole with the mouth and everything. Yeah, that is very prominent. Yeah, so movie. that's kind of that's the forbidden, and then the Candyman kind of expands on it. Uh, it the Candyman makes it into a whole huge thing mm-hmm. uh, that's you know movie length. Yeah, obviously. it builds yeah. a world around around Candyman. So so the movie Candyman is uh 
it's a grad student named Helen who's researching urban legends. She's basically making a thesis on urban legends. And then she stumbles across the Candyman legend uh, when she's talking to one of the, the uh, custodians. I, I feel like she already yeah. knows about Candyman she, because uh, she mentions it and the custodian is uh, Oh, yeah, Candyman. that's right. And yeah. she's like, oh, shit, you've yeah. heard of Candyman? Yeah, she gets deeper into it because yeah, the custodian correct. like leads her down that path. Mm, they actually point her to Cabrini Green and to... Right. What, what's the woman's name? Ruthie Jean? The no, woman that was yeah, Ruthie Jean is the one that was killed. Yeah, she was the yeah. she was the victim, and right. then she goes to explore Ruthie Jean's apartment, and then meets Anne Marie from, and everything right. kind, yes. kind of goes out of control yeah, from there. Exactly. Yes. Uh, yeah. So basically, uh, she's researching this. She gets deeper into the the lore of Candyman, uh, and then she actually she encounters Candyman after some other stuff happens. She encounters a fake Candyman. But and they do they do invoke Candyman very early on. I don't remember if it's they when do they're some in dumb white people shit. They do. Um, I can't remember if it's when her and Bernadette are in the project or not, or whether it's before, like in her own apartment. But they it's do in, say it's in go, her apartment. Yeah, I couldn't remember, but they do say Candyman's name five times in a mirror, and that is the the fuck up. That is where they <laughs> fucked up. Yes. <laughs> now you fucked up. <laughs> yes, to invoke Candyman, you have to say Candyman five times in the mirror. Right, yeah. And then I think you're supposed to turn off the lights. Oh, that's, yeah. how, that's how it typically goes in the mirror games. We'll talk about that a little bit later as far as the invocation mm. and like how, yeah. the, how the urban legends and stuff work. Yeah, but anyway, basically it, it just gets deeper and deeper and then she, uh, Candyman is basically using her as a proxy to like kill people. And it's like leading her down this like her path where she's not even sure if she's sane anymore yeah. or sort of thing. Like there's a whole deep like the second half of this movie is just pure fever dream. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does get kind of fever dreamy. It gets it gets mm. fever dreamy, but it's it it all connects back together at the end. I yeah. think it, it ties it, it itself up really well. Mm. Um, but that's that's basically the overarching story of it. And then I, I mean I'm I, I don't know if I should ruin the end, but. Uh, I guess it's been long enough, but Helen becomes the new Candyman after, mm -hmm. uh, after basically it was passed on because Candyman died at the end, like he was burned in a in a big bonfire. And all at the, the bees end. just spread spread yeah. out over the city. All the bees went away. He's covered yeah. in bees the whole movie. Yeah, we'll explain we'll explain <laughs> the origin story of Candyman a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, he's covered in bees. He has a hook for a hand, and he has. Uh, in the sexiest voice imaginable. In orgasmic voice. <laughs> Tony, Tony Todd has the greatest voice. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't have more to say? Don't, don't want to I mean, start some of that peppering now? It just, it just it fits. He's got that deep baritone. He's got mm. that Pete Steele barit like Pete Steely baritone voice. It, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but the the important thing to know about uh, both the book and the movie is they definitely explore class differences and they explore the themes of gentrification and just lower income people butting up against higher income people yes. coming in and trying to fuck with their lives. And, a and bit. both <laughs> of them, uh, both of them do touch on race a little bit because. Uh, so here, here's the thing: is uh, in 1981. So let's let's give a little background here. So in 1981, mm. the in, in most of the people who are UK listeners will probably know this, but not really any of the American ones will know because I didn't know about it, uh, is uh, in 1981 in Liverpool, there was uh, there's an area of Liverpool called Toxteth, uh, which is kind of like the, it's like the lower income area, right? That's yeah, it's at the moment, like now it's gone back to that gentrification area of students, but it was... It was a poor area. It was like your Croydons in London. It was your Brixton. Right. It was the area where they shoved 
all the poor people that they didn't know what to do with. And see, the only uh, knowledge of this, see, I didn't know Toxic at all, but Brixton's made a little bit more clear. If you listen to, like, a lot of music from that time, like The Clash has the guns of Brixton, and that's about the Brixton riots, I believe, and stuff like that. So, like, I don't know. There is a little bit of knowledge about it, and if you know anything about Thatcher, you know it's just like Reagan here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but basically... uh, there were, were these series of riots in 1981 in Toxteth, uh, called the Toxteth Riots, obviously, uh, that were basically sparked by tensions between the police and the uh, the black community yeah. that was that was there. Uh, you know, it wasn't exclusively blacks that rioted against the police, but that was a large part of it. It did sound very similar to what happened today in the Wikipedia article we were listening to. It's, I mean, most of the tensions were about them just stopping and arresting or frisking yes. young black men yes. for essentially no reason. It's not with in, and it's not not actually unlike the uh, Rodney King riots. Oh, yeah. No. Very similar. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Just L.A. is just on a much larger scale. And so that whole fucking... That was like a crime wave or just yeah. like a crime zone. Yeah, but it's it, it's sort of along those those lines of like the riots that we had after Rodney King. True. And it's... You know, it's the it's the same sort of like there the powder keg was kind of the same elements, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think, but yeah, it was basically like, uh, and it sounds like the these fucking people really like took these police on. Oh, like yeah. they it had was, like it sounds like, awesome. They had like <laughs> if you they had like fucking petrol bombs. My favorite one, I think, was it where they took pieces of scaffolding and used that, or scaffolding ladders, and used that as like big jousts. Yeah, yeah, they used them as like lances, and they they gave the police shields, but they didn't work. Really, the police didn't know how to use them or weren't trained. They weren't trained trained in like crowd suppression, like every single American cop is, because that's half of what we teach our police to do. The only cops who are trained in crowd suppression here are maybe London police and that's a very small few the the regular police they, they <laughs> would they wouldn't have had any fucking yeah clue yeah the police were so outnumbered and outgunned essentially in this whole thing that they had to call in police from other districts and other cities like cities like hours and hours away. Yeah, how far so, did you say Devon, wa- De- Devon was from Liverpool? Uh, let's. Let, I'll, I'll quickly maps it just because. Uh, <laughs> just to give you an accurate number of hours. Because I know it took us about five hours when I drove to Devon from Hastings. So uh, let's let's see how long it actually is from from Liverpool. Yeah, and this is just to give you a sense of how far they had to reach to pull police into yeah, this whole thing. Because, because sure. like we said, they were outnumbered and they were outgunned. They these people were making bombs. They were making petrol bombs, were, which I mean, basically were Molotov cocktails, but just with gas instead of just like whatever else. You, actually, is Molotov cocktail just gasoline? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I always thought Molotov cocktails might have just been like. Whatever flammable they had on hand. <laughs> it depends on what cookbook you read. Okay, True. it depends. <laughs> it depends on what way you go. But it's actually. I want, the, I want to go on the A one, please. <laughs> but it's actually <laughs> only about four hours twenty five. But that's that's due to a, a new high, like new highway thing being built through. Mm-hmm. Like on the edge of Wales, but it would have taken at least a good seven hours. Fuck. Yeah. Um. 
That's like if some if if DFW had a series of, of riots, that would be like calling in for somebody from like south of Houston, mm. yeah, like, or El Paso. Yeah, yeah, no, not El Paso. El Paso's way the fuck out there. El Paso's like mm, like thirteen hours or something. No like way. That. From yes. here? Yeah, it is. Oh my it's god, really, really far <laughs> away. Uh, it's it's very because t- it's like further away than most of New Mexico. You yeah, have that's to what think you're about saying. That. Yeah, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. So these riots were huge. And they got really creative, and they needed a lot of police to stop them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I did, Reading that whole thing about the Toxith riots was really just exciting, like exhilarating. I was just like, yes, the people rising up. I know, right? And it, it, We it, need more of this. But <laughs> it basically, it led to in efforts to reform, I guess, but I, I don't know how effective they really were. I'm not sure if, that, if any of it actually was helpful in the end, but... Because uh, I, I don't know really. what happened after. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not really. I mean, Sasha <laughs> went on to do like another another term, I think. I think you'd it's... call it a term. Um, the person they put in charge of that area, Hesseltine, funny enough, he was the person that got... He was one of the people that stood up to Thatcher and got her ousted. Nice. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're, my district got fucked up because you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and he recently yeah. got chucked out of the Tory party for saying that he'd support Corbyn. <laughs> I, I know nothing about British politics. I know that Corbyn was... He a good lad. Like, he tried to... Like yeah. He tried to meet with Trump, and Trump wouldn't meet with him because he no. said he was a negative influence or something. He refused to meet with Trump. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Corbin's one of the good ones. Yeah, I think Trump spent it like he declined to meet with. Yeah, him. no, he. I think it was. Yeah, spun. that's probably how it was spun. Yes. Yeah, but, um, but it sounded like after these riots that a kind of a band-aid was put on the situation. Yes. It's like, oh, let's make more public housing yeah. and let's try to make it a mixed income district and blah blah blah. But nothing really got solved. Yeah. They, so basic they put a band-aid over like a fucking broken leg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, so basically to tie it back in, uh Books of Blood was written in what, uh nineteen eighty You said eighty five or eighty five is when they were published. Yeah. Was it published like serial, like a serial? Like, did it come out over a certain period of time? Um, I think there, there's like four volumes, and volumes oh, okay. one to three were put together, and they, they, they just released the volumes like throughout the period, and then okay. put them all yeah. together. Podcast of the Dead. Hey, hey, Zach here. Just a quick reminder to follow us on social media. Uh, that would be at PC of the Dead on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Podcast of the Dead is our Facebook page. And then if you want to email us about either movie suggestions or just to talk, then you can reach us at podcastofthedead at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to the show in a monetary way and want to help us make better content in the future, then you can also go to our Patreon and contribute there. Uh, The easiest tier is just First Blood, which is a dollar a month. And that is patreon.com slash PC of the Dead. Now, back to Candyman. So basically this whole, the Toxith riots and the Brixton riots, they were pretty fresh 
and and I think you know and and when you read if if you read the forbidden it it ties in like there's a lot of subtext there you know just like oh, with yeah. a lot of Clyde Barker stuff there's a lot of subtext and it's like you can see that that was definitely like an influence on what he's trying to say in mm-hmm. in the short story and you know it's it's you know he's doing that analysis of class system like we said before um so Candyman focuses on the Cabrini Green area of Chicago. Mm. And and Cabrini Green, even to this day, since like basically the 50s, has been like a low uh like a low income area and just like a you know a crime ridden gang filled area in you know in Chicago. Yeah, you said the first recorded like mention of it was it as being some sort of shanty town. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was originally some sort of shanty town, I believe, in 1850 when it was like originally established, I guess. Wow. And it's uh, on the on the bank of a river. I can't remember what river in Chicago, but it's it's definitely like just like most cities are built on rivers. It had to be near near a source of water. Yeah, I hardly know enough about the geography of Chicago to say what <laughs> river it was. <laughs> but I, yeah, you were there for a small period of your life as a child. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's basically all you need to know is that Cabrini Green basically from the beginning was like a project housing. That's all it was. Uh, and it's, it, the last actual livable space in Cabrini Green was demolished in 2011, in March of 2011. And now it's still kind of like a hotbed for crime and like, uh, you know, drug exchanges and all that sort of thing. Um, and so it was still like this in 1992 when Candyman was made and it's, it was, you know, at the time, still synonymous with like the low income, the the uh, the gap there mm-hmm. uh, in America, the income gap in America, and just like what the lower the lower income people were living in, the conditions that they're being put in. Um, so it's when they, I, you know, you don't really know a whole lot about it now, like like in a modern era, because you don't really, you didn't really see that. Uh, because since Cabrini Green wasn't really like I guess contemporary, now that you don't really understand like the reference there, but when you were watching back in 1992, you probably had heard of Cabrini Green in the area and the things that are going on. Especially in Chicago. if you lived in Chicago, yeah, especially yeah, if you, you lived would in know Chicago. exactly what you're talking about. And I, I feel like, like I said, I had never heard of it before this movie, but it definitely seems like something as as far as if you were living in the in the northern united states and like hearing a lot of newscasts about poverty in america or about race relations in america i have a feeling that since it was made this movie was made there it was probably well known and yeah. they, they probably chose this location because I, it wasn't well and known and i think including cabrini green in candyman is it, it ties together that big theme of just like gentrification, mm, yeah. and just because because Helen talks about her apartment and how it used to be low income housing right. essentially, and how it was plastered over, it was redecorated to basically make it upscale, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and it, that's just gentrific- gentrification. You know, it's Which, just it's I, just everyone can relate to that because you see it everywhere. Oh I mean, yeah, you see. There's it all not over a the single place. community in America that isn't. Touched by gentrification. Oh yeah, the city of Denton is definitely trying. Oh, oh yeah, y'all, y'all were pretty gentrified when I visited. Not gonna lie. Um, also, like for UK reference, Shoreditch. Shoreditch is one of the biggest gentrified areas. Like Shoreditch, Dalston. It's an area of London that was synonymous with, like, because it's kind of in the East End, so it would have been synonymous with the poor. And but now right. it's. 
hipsters and coffee shops and yeah. craft oh, yeah. bre- micro craft breweries. That is, uh, yes. I think two years ago there was a shop that sold air, like air in jars. It was like um, air from Camden or air from Walthamstow and like all these areas of London that are considered like poor and kind of gross. A shopping, I don't a shopping live on Camden anymore. sold glasses, <laughs> like glass jars full of air. And they also sold, sold sticks that the woman had picked up on the way through a park. Oh my god. For like That's 40 fucking quid. stupid. Fucking, okay, I don't know, it's just... Uh, we have we have the equivalent to that in Dallas, is Oak Cliff. Oak Cliff used to be the worst place to go to. It used to be the most, you would get shot going to Oak Cliff if, it, like, if you were even close to a white person. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, now, it's if you go to Oak Cliff... Totally gentrified. And the problem, I mean, this this goes back to fuck capitalism, because basically wealthy people see places that aren't generating enough revenue and value for shareholders, and they say, how do we make these locations profitable? Yeah. And so that's why one of the reasons our system is broken, is because not every fucking place has to be profitable. Can we live <laughs> anywhere? Can we just fucking live and not generate value? No. It, you know... I try not. Ugh. I try not to reference South Park that much, but <laughs> oh, there is that, that is rare that, for you to reference South Park. Yeah, that whole that whole series that they that whole like overarching story they had about uh, was it Soapy Peepa or whatever. Oh, uh, I, yeah. I can't remember that. I know yeah, exactly but, what you're but talking about. They had about. this whole this whole bit about how they it was about gentrification. Yeah, and they really... gentrified Kenny's house yeah. and stuff like yeah. that because he lived in the poor neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, I think he was the poor neighborhood. Yeah. Kenny's house was yeah. like the only person there. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that episode where they dress like ninjas and everyone thinks they're ISIS. <laughs> I don't know why you had to put that in. I just wanted to. <laughs> I love South Park. Try Parker Matt Stone for president. <laughs> they have to fuse themselves into one person and then run collectively oh as, as one president. Not vice president. They're, they're equal. They're equal oh, in my Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so Candyman is really... The especially the movie and less the short story, but more the movie is kind of like uh, it's about urban legends yeah. too. That's like yeah. one, of, one of the big things it's about. It's about um, just how urban legends spread, uh, where their origins are, and how we get to where we are with an urban legend. I guess so. Yeah, and because it's like an urban legend in itself. Like it's an urban legend happening. Oh yeah, as the movie basically. Yeah. Um. So Candyman is very the biggest corollary that most people will recognize. Like if you if you were if you heard you will have heard about this in school. Uh, the biggest corollary that most people will recognize is Bloody Mary, and that's like a game that you play as a kid where you go into a bathroom with all the lights off and you say Bloody Mary into a mirror. Three times. And mirrors are supposed to be like a gateway to another world, kind of. Or a gateway to the land of the dead. or And they have, you know, long-standing traditions of being kind of doorways as opposed to just mirrors. So you say Bloody Mary in the, in the mirror three times and she comes to you and she either kills you or just scares the shit out of you, one or the other. Most of the time nothing happens and you get to scare your friends by saying you did it and that I'm better than you and I saw her and she was scary but I said fuck you and she went away. Like that's what happens. <laughs> but um, Bloody Mary is based on a real thing where it was supposed to be Mary Queen of Scots who was Mary the first yes. of England. Yeah, and um, she was just a very deplorable unjust ruler and got the name bloody mary i think it was yeah (laughs) okay i mean there's nothing wrong with that 
I shouldn't say that, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that just became kind of this game that you play as a child. Candyman is very much a similar thing. And it is it was fictitious at the time of Clive Barker's writing it. But, Chrissy, as you were saying, it kind of became its own new urban legend as a result of the movie. Well, I think even that old British people are just fucking stupid, which is probably (laughs) the latter. Um, I remember in school playing Candyman in a mirror. You know, people would do it in in a similar way to Bloody Mary. I think they, they might have seen maybe a clip or something while someone's mm-hmm. parent was watching it or someone's older sibling let them watch it with them and they'd yeah but basically i knew some kids at school who play Candyman, and they thought it was real and it was like oh, yeah no. but i think <laughs> but- what you're touching on with the mirror thing being the gateway that comes from scrying which is where you stare into a reflective mm-hmm. yeah. surface you some often water and then apparently you can if you stare long enough, you'll see something. Over time, over time, what that is, uh, I have actually read up on this, because uh, I, I read, there is a website that I really love that I'll plug really quick called The Ghost in My Machine. They do a lot of stuff about urban legends and games and haunted places and stuff. Scrying, yeah, you can look into a mirror, and uh, especially in the dark, and if you look for a long enough time, your eyes start to basically lose muscle control. Yes. And you start to see things, like your face will change, the, the room around you will change and stuff and like that. And that's why a lot of the mirror games, they involve turning the lights off because it starts to you you basically start to hallucinate yeah Yeah, because your eyes yeah exactly so that's one of the reasons why mirrors are important in these types of games um but yeah no just so i i I do find it interesting that Candyman started as just completely fictitious kind of like an offshoot of one of those games you would play as a kid but then became its own thing after that so there are probably there are probably generations of people that don't really understand that it's a movie and just think of it as like wait Candyman's real he's gonna kill me the thing is is it's like a completely believable urban legend oh absolutely yeah you know because and that's the thing about urban legends is uh, there's always you know a bit of there's a bit of falsity a kernel too. of truth yeah there's always a... um are you saying that mothman isn't real oh no mothman is real. what are you talking about yeah real. fuck you yes. <laughs> yes mothman is the realest thing that's ever existed <laughs> mothman prophecy sucks though yes it does i don't even want to do it i actually kind of enjoyed really it. it's so boring we though. can do what they're bad on it then you can be the voice that likes it but like i fucking <laughs> can't sit through the whole thing please let's do it they're bad on my prophecies <laughs> okay. i would love to do I'm that down. richard Gere, what was your problem <laughs> oh yeah it's 2002 he's you crying know. through half the movie <laughs> i was crying through half the movie <laughs> but from boredom <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh boy yeah but uh it, yeah i know it's it's interesting because like you said there it, every urban legend has a kernel of truth and i, I think that's why people mm. wanted to believe like people who haven't seen candy man or don't understand that it's just a movie and that's where it comes from mm. that they want to believe that candy man is real uh and that it's a real urban legend um uh, candy man also the character of candy man in the movie also has like this interesting kind of i guess religious lookout on his legend, I guess, like how, uh, like everybody who's witnessing his crimes are basically like a congregation. He's very self-aware. Yeah. Like yeah. that's one thing that's very strange is he's kind of self-aware of the impact he has as an urban legend, which you don't see very much. Like you don't see Jason going around 
Well, I mean, he doesn't talk at all, but I mean, he, you know what I mean. Like, he's not going around and be like, erect statues of me, please, or else I, mach- I mean, machetes your face. <laughs> Freddy's the only other similar one that knows uh, the power of the, you know, the whisper on the street corner. Okay, yeah, I'll give that to you. To, to bring him power. For sure. Yeah, because yeah, that's what keeps Candyman alive, in a sense, is the fact that these people believe in this urban legend, and, you know, he he's like... You know, as as he says, you know, I'm the whisper on the street corner. I'm the fear that keeps them. And oof. <laughs> when he says those things, it's like, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a hundred percent a believer in the Church of in the Church, in the church of, of Tony Todd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's interesting that there is just a slight bit of religious aspect to this whole thing, and not just the way that Candyman talks about his quote-unquote congregation but also the mm. the art depictions mm-hmm. of, yeah, of, sure. the, of yeah. the things like the 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 art that's on the walls in cabrini green like especially the end with helen where she's like basically mm. a patron saint yeah uh, I, I had totally yeah. forgotten about that yeah it's kind of like a st- not not stained glass but it, it's more of a painting yes. of, of like a saint like a yeah but it's like a, a religious, religious painting. type painting yeah. and it's style mm-hmm. uh it's very um like almost michelangelo style mm-hmm. yes yeah and, and a lot of the a lot of the depictions of what happened to Candyman are very like like Michael Michelangelo esque mm. and very religious painting esque uh, type thing. They definitely paint him as a martyr. Yes, and Helen as a martyr for oh, believing yeah. in Candyman and being kind of a victim or a follower of Candyman because he definitely po- paints it that she sought him out. Yes, you know what I mean. I mean she, she did. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, she summoned him essentially, and so he kind of took in his. I guess in his view, he took her under his wing. Well, and- but <laughs> the, the other thing is, is that not only did she seek him out, but they. It seems that in some way they're destined to come together because True. he. She looks like. The woman he fell in love with and got killed for. Oh, is that one? Was yes. that one of the threads? Yes. I don't think I picked yeah. up on that. Yeah, that's that's a thread that they kind of tie in. It's it's one of those other things that they tied in really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's just like, oh, yeah. It's it, you 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 initially think she sought him out just because she's doing this paper, but it's like that. There's actually some sort of force drawing them together, and that's why Candyman is so interested in trying to make her a martyr too. At least, it, at least that's what he says. Yeah, he he definitely uh, wants yeah. to make them go on together, and he wants to make her like his protege and Basically, continue yeah. the legend. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, he you know, wants to pass the torch, yeah. so to speak. His his whole thing is, you know, you called me, I came for you. You know, we're meant to. You know, we're meant to do this. You've made my followers lose belief. You have to set that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's that whole thing where she's meddling in his story, so he he brings her in yeah. to kind of set the the record straight. Because in say. a way, yeah, when you try to explain an urban legend, that's trying to take away its power. Like, so I I feel like you know he's probably offended by that. <laughs> yeah, you know, that it, and the fact that obviously everyone thinks that the bloke masquerading is him is true. Him. I hate that right. guy. So, yeah, so number think- five. <laughs> so they think that he, because he's, you know, locked up that Candy, you know, and she tells Jake, which is, you know, she tells that young boy which, who is like the propagator of them, go, of you know, of when he sees the hook in the bonfire going, Candyman's back, you know, and gets mm. everyone together. Oh, yeah. You know, she's the one who tells him he's not real. So, and obviously, 
you know, when that kid's going, oh, he's not real, guys, then everyone else is going to... That makes him lose power. Yeah. Because it's this word of mouth that gives urban legends the right the, the status that they have. Yeah, it's sort of a... Uh, the same with religion. True. Same with religion. Same yep. with Freddy Krueger, too. Yeah. That, that it, part of his power comes from people believing in him. Yeah, I guess that's probably the only... that that Freddy, I guess uh, Nightmare is probably the closest to Candyman as far as type of villain and type of horror story. Yes. Uh-huh. The only the only correlate like when I was watching it, I, I kept thinking Changeling was very similar, but that's only because of all the investigative aspects of it. Like it, yeah, it's that very, wasn't the story. Not the story so much, but definitely how much time is spent on investigating and digging into the origin of something. Um, I do w- I do like mystery aspects in a yeah, horror movie where they're too. trying to uncover something and then yeah. they, they they uncover something absolutely horrifying. And then the second half is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Just the, when you have <laughs> The difference between Freddy and Candyman though is that one, Candyman isn't a nonce. And two, Candyman's <laughs> yes. actually a sympathetic character. Yes. True. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh also Candyman is cooler. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> You know, and way more fuckable. Oh. We, we were ranking we were ranking horror villains by fuckability before this episode started. They, they were, he's right up there. They were both set on fire. <laughs> but Freddy doesn't have bees. Yeah, so. Freddy doesn't have. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill Zach here. But um, you know, it's Barry B. Benson from B Movies' first oh. role. I was so proud to see him. Oh! <laughs> is that who is that who Seinfeld plays? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, shut up! Why do you, you have to say that? I hate you. Uh, What's with all these bees? <laughs> Why are all the bees and the bees? And I, I'm covered in honey now. Stephen, Stephen told me to. Stephen told me to say it. I bet Stephen did. Uh, well, okay. So let's talk about Candyman as like the origin story of Candyman. Let's talk about mm. uh, him as a character. Okay. Uh, so the so Candyman it was a uh, I don't know if they give him they don't give him a real name. They do they in Farewell to the Flesh. Yes. His name oh, okay. is Daniel Daniel Robotai. Yeah, but we're only talking about the first one. <laughs> so let's, he let's, has a name. Yeah, it's, okay, he has a name, but they, we're talking about only the first one and only the information we can glean from the first one, uh, which is that he is the son of a slave. Um, he grew up affluently because of the, like we talked earlier, his, his dad, uh, made a process that made it easier to make shoes after the civil war. And so they ended up uh, making a lot of money from that. So he, he went to the best schools. Uh, he became an artist and he became really good at making, I guess, doing portraits. Mm, Yeah. Um, and then, uh, he does, uh, a portrait for, uh, a beautiful, uh, I forgot what it was. It was a white woman, but I don't remember who she was like the daughter of. I don't know if they say that or not. The I don't, of some I, I don't fancy know specifically. Man. Yeah, I was about to say for a, lo- a lord or a, yeah. something like that. I don't. I don't think we have lords in America, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of capitalist pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and they they end up falling in love because of that whole thing. Uh, he gets her pregnant. Which I don't. Do they ever explain what happened to the baby? That in in Farewell to the Flesh they do that. Oh, okay, that gotcha. literally is like the whole premise for that second movie. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so they don't really explain it in the first one, but no. uh, they find out that uh, he got her pregnant, and they uh, they a group uh, like a lynch mob essentially uh, cuts his hand off, uh, covers him in honey, 
and uh, throws him into a bunch of, like, uh, apiaries, uh, and th that's the ones with the bees. Uh, <laughs> and they, an apiary? What, what is an apiary? Apiary is the one with the bees. It's a beehive. Yeah. They call them apiaries. So. Is it like a big pit or like what? No, is... no, no, no. An apiary is the, it's a beehive. It's the one. Oh, like the little standing it's, ones? It's the yes. area. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like gotcha. the facility for beehives. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and the bees cover him and basically sting him to death, and then they set the body on fire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's that's the origin of Candyman and why he's such a vengeful ghost, which I would be pretty vengeful after yeah, that. Where does, he too. Where does he get the hook? Do they explain that, or does his origin explain that, or is he just like, I got a stump here, I got a crowbar here, oh, is put it those they, two together. Do they put a hook in the stump, is that what happens? Or no, is that he, part just, of the... he just has a hook. I think I think he just puts a hook in the okay. stump. He, you know, his ghost is like, I want a replacement hand. Here's a hook. Here it goes. Not, not very clean though. It's not very like mo most like pirates with hooks. It's very clean. It's very nice and manicured. He, he just stuck one right in there. It's his not is even... messy. And his is gonna get infected. So well. yeah, it's so gross of a wound. It's really realistic. Yeah, it really. It's a juicy wound. It's a juicy, <laughs> juicy, juicy wound. Slurb that uh, wound. A hundred percent juice. <laughs> <laughs> juicy juice wound. Uh, but I do want to talk real quick about that fucking scene with the bees, where they're doing. He's doing the bee kiss. Mm. Uh, where he has the bees in his mouth. You? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I know what you're talking about. No, when you said bee kiss, I was like, was he making bees kiss? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> he was just holding two bees. Kiss. Now kiss. If I was a bee and I heard Tony Todd tell me to kiss another bee, I'd do it. I mean, I feel like bees don't have too much opportunity to do that because most of the women, uh, the, the female bees, they just get to stay home all the day and then the workers have to go out and do stuff and then Can they're it. hive mind, so... I don't know how bees work. Never mind. I'll stop right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that just yeah, where there where Tony Todd has bees in his mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. he is an amazing actor. <laughs> he is. I remember what? reading that those bees were very um, well, because what they do with beehives is they spray like basically like a bee like sed not sedative. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that they they were still sedated, but still, you have bees in your mouth. I didn't realize they were real bees. Yeah, Holy they're fuck. real bees. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. How else would they have done it in 1992? That would have looked so bad as CGI. They could have gotten caterpillars and dressed them as bees. What? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, sometimes we just have to tell you no. <laughs> um, but yeah, he has bees in his mouth, and he he. Kisses Helen, uh, who the actress... Oh, I forgot what the actress... Virginia Madsen, who who's related yeah. to Michael Madsen from Reservoir Dogs. That's who I figured it was, because Madsen is a very rare name in movies. Yeah. And so I saw that and was like, she's either married to or related to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he, he, he kisses her, and Virginia Madsen must have just been like... Mm. No! <laughs> squirm, squirm, squirm. And, and then he still is able to, like... Give a motion in his face with a mouthful of bees. I know. Yeah. He's oh, he's such a good actor. It's a shame he's been in so many shit movies. What other stuff has Tony Todd been in? Um, the only one I can name off the top of my head is a film called The Graves, which I literally only bought because Calabrese saw in it. But it had like Bill <laughs> Mosley, Tony Todd, and it's set like in this like ghost town and. 
it's that typical sort of like teen, like not even slasher, but Tony Todd's in it and he was cool. He was like the only go character that I remember. Well, you just said fucking Tony Todd, Calabrese, Bill Mosley, and this is a bad movie? Yeah, no, it's not good. God damn it. What the hell? (laughs) I'm perturbed. Um, Virginia Madsen, was she in anything else? I don't know if... Uh, she looks that, really familiar, but I haven't seen that credit um, a lot. You know what I mean? She was in June. June? June. Drawing a blank. Oh, June. Oh, June. Yeah. Sorry, I, th- I thought you said June. No. I was like, June? R- real. She was in... She was in du- which June? Uh, was she in the... Lynch's, she was in the David, one. the David Lynch one? Okay. Oh, the the 81? Yeah. The 1980 the David one? David Lynch oh, one, Oh, yes. fuck that one. I hate that um, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> She was also in the haunting of the haunting in Connecticut. Oh, is I she? do have that movie. Yeah, now that's where I know her from because I have that movie. I, I do enjoy it, even though it's what not is she, great. What is she in haunting? I think she's the wife. I believe. Yeah, oh. okay. yeah. Her brother is Michael Madsen. Oh shit! That's fucking awesome. Cool. Yeah, she. Yes. She more produces now than anything. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that that is respectable. Yeah. Respectable. Just means you have money. <laughs> yeah. pisses me off yeah. <laughs> it means you probably have more consistent work um, but Helen is an interesting character because you were saying earlier Helen kind of is the epitome of white people going around and fucking shit up yeah. oh yeah um, she she definitely has good intentions but they're very oh god her invoking Candyman at the beginning like you're already like don't do this you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, me as a person, I've never done Bloody Mary. I've never done any of those games because I'm a superstitious as fuck. Um, her getting her friend to do it with her is a real dick move. I think it was interesting <laughs> to watch that movie with Cece. Oh, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because she kept saying, like, she, she was just like, oh, no, what what are y'all doing? <laughs> it's like, hell no! Yeah, exactly. No, um... To, to to clarify, uh, my girlfriend Christian um, is a black woman, <laughs> and uh, she was very clear in that everyone in this movie is an idiot. Like, kind of like with Get Out, you know, we're we're three white people talking about, you know, something that while we can relate, also we can't relate. But it's right. also like, damn, these white people be fucking stupid. <laughs> Yeah, oh, and yeah. Uh, Christian also, every time we said something stupid, would just hold up the DVD case of Get Out, <laughs> <laughs> telling us to get out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, at one point she lost it, she's like, where did I put it? I need, I need, I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt like it was very uh, fitting. Yeah, it was apt. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but so Helen is a really good character, and she's coming from a good place. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say that, because, I mean... If you're a researcher, if you're an academic, the whole reason of doing the research is to give yourself a name and put your name on stuff that will go in a psychological or an academic journal, I should yes. say. So you just, you're thinking about yourself more than anything else, no matter how altruistic your cause is. It is very much like an academic version of uh, filming you giving money to homeless yeah. people, but yeah. uh, I, I think uh, part of it was that she was trying to at least get give notoriety or, or give a story to an area, like a low-income area. So at least at least that I I, I kind of respect, but I, I her intentions were probably more about They're very selfish, I feel like. There's that scene yeah. as well where she's, you know, where they're in the apartment and she's looking out over the area where Cabrini Green is and she's like, 
you know, they've almost, she basically says, you know, they've, they walled them in this side and walled us this side, you know, that's not fair that they, mm. you know, they're se- we're separated by a highway because the rich people didn't want to deal with the issue. Right. She, she's yeah. got good intentions. She's... She... She has she has some good intentions. I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent that she is altruistic. But yeah, I would take a lot more selfishness from from her. Honestly, that's me personally. I don't know. I just I <laughs> I just I she's a good character because she does have some dimensions to her. Yes, but at the same time, I, for me, a lot of them are negative. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that uh, that she evolves over the course of the movie. True, because she. Like we were talking about a little bit earlier, uh, she does have to experience a little bit more of the other side a little bit later on. Yeah. Once people think she's a murderer and stuff, she does get shit from the police a lot yeah. more. Yeah, she what? does. She, I mean, she gets uh, assaulted by the fake Candyman, so she she feels what it's like to be completely a victim. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. When she, yeah, when she first gets attacked by, uh, we hear you're looking for Candyman, mm. bitch, guy. Mm, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, the they treat her like like a princess. Like they mm. they they take her in, they make her do a lineup and and all that sort of stuff. Which is, you know, that's how they should treat everybody. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. They obviously, won't. they never do. Uh, yeah, but then <laughs> when when they when she is con- you know being considered for murder, which. To be fair, there is an overwhelming amount of evidence. Yeah. That there are fingerprints on that knife. They yeah. saw her with the knife. They She's covered in, in blood. They walked in. She has a cleaver, <laughs> and she is about to cut a woman. <laughs> uh, is what it looks it's like. Self-defense. Yeah. Um, that they definitely. It's a completely one. It's a one eighty. Yeah. Like entirely. The way they start treating her just changes entirely. Yeah. The yeah. Uh, the detective that she thought was her friend is immediately like answer the question. You know, yeah. like. Like bad cop all the way. Yep. <laughs> uh, they're all bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, all cops are are bad. <laughs> um, it's bastards. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, you do feel sympathy for her, even though most of her intentions aren't like a hundred percent pure. I mean, she's. I don't know. She is a flawed character. She's she's a good character in a horror film. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Like you don't always have good she characters. Has you, have, you have a lot of one, exactly. You have a lot of one dimensional characters in horror films a lot of the time. Helen isn't one of them, and it's fucking sweet as hell that she's the new Candyman at the end. Yes, like I love that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. That whole thing was such a great turn at the and end, and especially that she fucking kills Trevor. Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck yeah, Trevor. Fuck Trevor. Because you get the sense that. You you do get the sense that she's kind of workaholic and that all she does is like work and stuff like that and like she isn't really present in the marriage a lot and I guess that's why he cheats on her but it's also that Trevor's just a fucking asshole yeah no but that whole thing where he's like he's saying well you want me to hold up my curriculum so you can finish your thesis like he's only like he only cares about like what he's yeah. doing like that whole yeah. thing at the beginning where he's talking sure. about he's going into the urban legend part of mm-hmm. his class she's like you couldn't wait until I finished my thesis like. They were going to teach it like, together. Huh. That was going to be the whole thing, right? Oh, was that? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize they were yeah. going to teach it together. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's was that thing. whole thing is that is like he's very selfish even from the very beginning, and especially when he's like, know. "Oh, well, that that student, we you know, we totally not." When it's really fucking obvious. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That right. pissed me off because you, yeah, you tell from the beginning. You're just like, a hundred percent, they're together, and you're a fucking asshole. No. Oh, yeah. 
but uh, we I do also want to talk about Helen's friend Bernadette yes. um, because Bernadette is an interesting kind of uh, foil to the uh, white nonsense yes. that, <laughs> that Helen is putting down. But also the thing about Bernadette is she's kind of she kind of is also in the more affluent area that Helen is in, and she isn't quite the same. She's not the same class as all all the uh, people that are living in Cabrini Green. And so she kind of has that that outside perspective, Mm. too, where she's trying. She's scared to go into Cabrini Green, uh, even though she's black. You know, she she's it's because it's, you know, the way she looks and, you know, that whole thing where she's actually a lighter skinned black woman. And and, and, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah. a touchy thing, but that's the thing that I exists. Mean, it is, I mean, it is yeah. a thing that that, yeah, that that definitely exists within the black community. I mean, sometimes people are stigmatized by whether or not yeah they Sig- what color they are just by complexion. Mm. Alone, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's like it doesn't matter who your parents are. Your parents. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, mixed race black people get shit. But I mean, yeah. even if you just are light skinned, just for no other reason than because that's how oh, you were born. Exactly, you still get prejudices within your own community and yeah. that's hard yeah and that it, it's an interesting b- thing because she is light-skinned and she is more fluent and she's scared to go in there and uh helen because she's uh white and she thinks she doesn't need to be scared of anything she is driven in her career zach okay <laughs> yeah, yeah she <laughs> she is focused <laughs> yeah I, it, the, the whole thing is like you you understand why Bernadette does not want to get involved with the whole thing. Uh, But, you know, she just kind of gets dragged along, more Mm -hmm. or less. Yeah. Um, And uh, she knows that I mean, the, the, I think the telling line is that she knows they stand out. No matter how they would dress or whatever, they stand out. Yes. And she's like, we just look like cops. Like, we're, we're inherently not supposed yeah. to be here. Yeah. And uh, that's a really telling line in, the, you know, in d- definitely seeing her discomfort and stuff. So I do like that that bit. Yeah. Ber- uh, Bernadette's a, a really, it, a better character than I think a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. And she's very as... tragic, too, because she yeah. fucking buys it in the movie, whereas Helen has to fucking... She buys it? Yeah. What are you, like a fucking New York beat cop? What are you? <laughs> she dies, Isaac. <laughs> she passes away. But there's a moment with Bernadette when Helen's exploring, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you in here? Why are we here? We're trespassing. Yeah, no. Yeah, what the fuck, dude? And, you know, and then Helen's like, I gotta get more film! One, that annoyed me, because if you're going to take photos of place, why would you only take one roll of film, you dumb bitch? It's true. <laughs> it's, it's very true. <laughs> and two, it's like, man, your mate already doesn't want to be here. Don't make your mate come back. Yeah, right. You, 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 you dickhead. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, it is tragic just that Bernadette just gets killed by being wrapped up in the whole thing mm, more, than, yeah. more than anything, really. Is she... Uh- she goes to the, I think, Cabrini Green one time. I don't think she's there more than that yeah. one time. The second time Helen goes, uh, Bernadette doesn't go with yeah, her. Yeah, she's just think. by yeah. herself. Yeah. Yeah. She just goes. Yeah. Um, and everyone's so, like, you shouldn't be here. And she's like, I know, but I'm dumb. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm stupid. Yeah. And that's why she gets attacked by fake candy man, yep. is because she's by herself and she just makes a lot of poor choices. Meat hook guy. <laughs> Meat hook guy. Um, <laughs> she she yeah, she makes but, uh, loads of white people choices. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh yeah. But I think the biggest uh we were gonna talk about the effects a little bit, but there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like the gore in this 
is pretty standard horror. Probably movie fare. the most unique thing that I don't think was really done in a movie up to that point is the bees. Yeah, yeah the I bees think... and like Candyman's torso is really cool. I thought that was like fucking ribs. nice. Yeah, yeah, he just has like really gory torso. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, but other than that, like. It's it, people get ripped from from groin to sternum. Like that's that's what happens. That's his that's his deal. That's his shtick. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're that uh that like uh was that that administrative therapist guy oh, the doctor who, who, get, who got fucking just it through his chest. That was fucking sick. Not no oh. not through the one where he got ripped up the back. Oh, you yeah. know where he's sitting there and he gets ripped up the back when he's talking to Helen. Oh yeah, that guy sucks he anyway. Gets ripped I hate from <laughs> To yeah, that's right. Asshole to sternum. I wish it could, uh, asshole to base of the neck. Should have been a Mortal Kombat thing where they ripped the spine out through the asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love the moment after that where he flies back into the window. Yes. Oh, oh god. Yes. That part is hilarious. It's hilarious, but it's also kind of unsettling. Yeah, and but then she starts climbing out the window. And we're like, are we? Is she just gonna do the same thing? Like, yeah. I'm gonna go out this way too. <laughs> It would have been great if she had just flown out that place, <laughs> yeah. just like Candyman did. Like that would have been amazing. Um, but I think the most standout thing of this movie, as far as anything other than the story and the characters, definitely the music. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. The music is amazing. The music is so music. good. Now you said this was done by Philip Glass. He's the composer of all the music for Candyman. Yeah. Um, what else has he done? Like, because you said the name very knowingly, and like I should know who it is. Uh, and Philip I don't. Glass <laughs> is a very contemporary type composer, kind of like on par with Hans Zimmer. Oh, really? Like where he he writes a lot of stuff, like not even just for movies, but just he releases albums and stuff, mm-hmm. and he makes money that way. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what else Philip Glass did, um, but let me. I'm gonna check here just real quick. But I, I know that this is the one he still gets money for like, like he still royalties. gets a check like every year for the candy man score because it's just such an instant classic huh. yeah of you know it's just so good and uh, i mean yeah it is it is it, it, it isn't it's not super synthesizer heavy it's not like a, a modern horror score it's it's a, it's it's a traditional it's film more, score yeah, more than more anything classical. else yeah exactly and i i really dig that in horror movies like i said most horror movies these days are really synth heavy which I like. That's because everyone but, thinks that that's what 80s horror was. Yeah, right? Like Stranger Things, like their, their, their soundtrack, or the, the opening to Stranger Things. Everyone thinks that's like what horror was in the 80s, when it's like you haven't watched a lot of 80s horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Man, um, Manfredini didn't do too much synth. And John Carpenter yeah. only really did synth in like one movie. Well, on Halloween, I mean, the Halloween yeah. score. Well, actually, that's piano, isn't it? The Halloween theme? Or is that synth? Um, no, it's synth. It's a mix. Oh, is it? Synth. Oh. It's mixed, but it's largely synth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But even Carpenter doesn't do too much synth, actually, in all of his scores. I'm trying to remember what Assault on Precinct 21 was like, as far as musically. I don't know how much music there was in that one, but it. Precinct I think, 21? 13, you mean? Precinct 13. 13? Yeah. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I don't know. Counting is hard. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it looks like Philip Glass mostly just actually does like classical work. Oh, he just uh, does his own shit? Yeah, he just does classical work. Um, it's some other film and te- television st- scores that he's done. Um, he Well, he did also do the music for Farewell to the Flesh. Uh, oh, okay. So for the sequel, he also did the music to that. Uh, he did the music for the Truman Show. 
that Jim that Jim Carrey. That's uh, really movie. cool. Uh, for the 1998 Dracula, I can't remember which one that is. Uh, is that a? That's not a. That's. I can't remember which one that one Gary is Oldman actually. One. No, that's uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, that's the one. That's the other one. That's a. Uh, that's uh, the. Uh, oh no! It was uh, a version of. The 1931. It was just a re-release with an updated soundtrack. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, let's see mm-hmm. the trans Transcendent Man, which I'm not sure if anybody will know that one. But uh, oh, he did the uh, score for the newest Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. Hell yes! Hell yes! Best composer ever. Then, if he got money for making that movie, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who made money from that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just some of the stuff he does. But okay. yeah, mostly he he just does his own compositions. Which is really cool. And so for this to be one of the few movies that he, that he's in is amazing because this soundtrack is great. It's a yeah. soundtrack. It is. It is one of the... Like, it would be a completely different movie without such a good oh, yeah, soundtrack. Definitely. Like, uh, and it's definitely the Clyde Barker adaption that has the best music. <laughs> yeah, for sure. See, like I said, when we talked about Hellraiser, I don't even really remember any of the music from Hellraiser. Yeah. I remember, like, the score from Candyman. You know, it's yeah, really the, good. There, I mean, there, like we said, there is some good music in, in Hellraiser, but it's not this level. Mm. <laughs> not at all. As much as I love Nightbreed, I can't really remember the music other than the mu- other than the scene where she sings, which we'll elaborate on next week. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't really remember the music for Nightbreed. God, do we even have Night? We'll talk about this later. But do we even have Nightbreed? No. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have to find it. It was on Amazon Prime for a little bit, I think. But... Oh shit! Okay, we'll look. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Enough back behind the scenes. Us not knowing what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so as uh, we we've talked about this a couple times in previous news yeah. segments, but there is a remake of Candyman coming out, being done by Jordan Peele. Yes. Uh, it's supposed to be coming out in 2020, um, which Tony Todd says he has said before that he's interested in just being a part of in any capacity, he not necessarily being has Candyman. has been cast for a, part, for a part, I think. Yeah. I think it would be wrong for him to be the new Candyman, though. Oh, you know, no, he's like, not past... going to... Yeah. He said no. he's not going to reprise the role, but he said he's been... I think he said he's been asked and said yes to just being in it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's really fucking cool. And I, I think because of the the movie adaption of Candyman being so much, really, if it even if it's just subtext about race, I think it's really interesting for Jordan Peele to be doing Candyman because he could do something that would actually say something uh, about race, like in a de- on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I think with Candyman, and that's that's kind of what I expect it to be about. Uh, although um, maybe not necessarily. It could go either way. Honestly, he could. He could just do it straight, just like this first movie was, where it didn't have as much literal stuff to do with race. It's just a scary story about an urban legend. Or he could put a lot more social commentary in it. So it could go either way. And it'll be interesting, because just making it just a a remake of a really good horror movie, and also making a really good horror movie, would be just as valid as having another get-out-like social commentary movie. So it'll be interesting to see which happens, and I'm really excited. That's yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, it, I think it's going to be uh, pretty good. Like, I don't expect really anything less from Jordan Peele at this yeah. point. Like, I mean... Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. One he, of the best horror directors of our, our generation. I mean, you know what I mean? And I feel... 
Barker already packed the whole thing with social commentary as it is. Jordan Peele's yeah. gonna yeah. just be adding adding more <laughs> yeah. and more layers. Yeah, I think it is going to be a really layered film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Us is already kind of an urban legend type film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Us is Us is a hard one to wrap your head around. Anyone I talk anyone I talk to about Us and I explain the story, they get confused within minutes. Yeah. It's like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, Us is a really it's complex. There's a lot of and stuff it, there. And it, and though race is explored, that's not the focus at all. It is focused on a lot of other things beyond race. It is focused on just like you said in that little mini review, it's focused on like body image, it's focused on like how you see yourself and perceive yourself in the world and yeah. society. So yeah, that that movie is good. I love that movie. Yeah. I it's yeah. I I mean I'm not sure exactly. Like I'd have to watch it again. I only watched it once, so I'd have to mm-hmm. watch it a, a couple more times to really, I guess, dig deep into it because there's so much stuff there. Because mm-hmm. it's you know a lot. There's a lot of surface level stuff that you can pick up, like body image and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But there's there's deeper stuff. Uh, I think the rabbits are a really good. I was thinking that too. I was thinking that the rabbits might have it. Yeah, I'm not sure what exactly they are a, I guess, symbol for, but there's a lot of symbolism with the rabbits, and I think that's important. I mean, other than them just being underground people mm. food. Uh, <laughs> Overpopulation. Maybe. Oh no! I like. I really don't have an Maybe. answer for you. <laughs> uh, um. But yeah, that's that's what I think the uh, 2020 Candyman is. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, what are some of our favorite moments from 1992, Candy? Hmm. <laughs> I'll let y'all go first. Hmm. Let me, uh, I shall dwell on that a second. Zach, you are... Yeah, what, what's, what's yours? Oh, the parking garage oh. scene. Um, where she she first encounters Candyman because you realize, oh, this is what Candyman actually is. Oh, she, oh yeah, where you just see <laughs> yeah. him in the distance and then he just gets closer and shit. Oh, yeah, God. where, yeah, he's walking and then, like, you hear the he's voice. He's exuding big dumb energy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have some Fruit Loops in, in a bowl. <laughs> I would like to give them to you. Please. Do you have any skim milk? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but no, he just he just walks up real casually and just like you you realize, oh, that other guy wasn't Candy Man. <laughs> It, I, I don't know. That's just realization moment that Helen has because she's like laughing and smiling before that because she realizes. Oh yeah, because yeah, published. no, she gets to the point where she's like, okay, so people are just playing on this urban legend and trying to freak me out. I'm dumb. This whole thing's dumb. Oh, oh shit, <laughs> it's real. <laughs> A gulp. <laughs> I think the the. Too many good Tony Todd-centric moments in this movie. <laughs> Any scene with Tony yeah. Todd in it is my favorite yeah. moment. <laughs> any scene where, like the like the opening scenes where he's talking and it's basically any moment with Tony Todd in it is my favorite moment because. Would Would you kiss him with yeah. bees in his mouth? <laughs> what that do? No hesitation. <laughs> what that bee what? do? Oh. oh, it shoots bees. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you Hell no. He dumping fat bees. Oh <laughs> no. Oh. I don't like it. I don't like this imagery at all. Oh. 
God, the inside of your testicles would just be painful. <laughs> you just have nothing but bees inside of you, and then you have to ejaculate bees. Bees. Big swollen nuts just dragging around all the time. <laughs> Whoa! Okay, but my favorite moment actually is the very end. It's when Helen is the new Candyman. Because it's like, you don't get a sense that that's going to happen. Like, that was a total fucking surprise. Because you see him, like, he says Helen in the mirror that first time. And you're just like, oh, okay, he's just mourning. But then he keeps saying it, and you're like, oh, fuck, you're stupid. And then she comes back, and she's all fucked up, and her head head's burned from, like... Being burned? Yeah, from being burned <laughs> in the bonfire and her hair going... I don't know. I just thought that that moment was awesome. And just like the whole passing the torch idea and her being the new Candyman. Every, everything about it is awesome. I love the end Well, of and then movies. I would imagine that the audience like went in the theater would have been like, yeah, revenge moment. Right? Yeah. <laughs> revenge. But Trevor. That's yeah, basically how Steven you reacted. Feel- Steven was like, that yeah. Yeah. got what he deserved. Well, yeah, because that earlier scene where she encounters them, like painting yeah. the, oh, the apartment, you, you get a you get like revenge blue balls there, <laughs> and, then, and then when she comes back at the end, you're like, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's great, it's just so good. You know, the 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 new GF, she's got a knife, so they're gonna blame her. Yo. Yes. Uh, also, she is wearing a very sheer nipples. Top so many nipples. Scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and her name is Stacy, which I find funny. Uh, it would have been better if the guy's name was Chad. Yeah, would have been a much more better commentary. Yes, it, it would fit in with incel logic at that point. <laughs> Trevor didn't look like a Chad. Trevor would have looked like an incel. So, yeah, he does look like an incel. That actor just has an unfortunate look about him. He's in a lot of things. <laughs> He kind of has an incelish thing going on. I'm sorry to him. I don't mean that badly. I'm sure you're a fine person. Well, you can tell that you can tell that he was beta buxing Stacy. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't even know what that term means. So you're way more, deeper into this than I am. It's just more incel terminology. I'll leave it a mystery so you can. Thank you. I don't want to know. Yeah, so you can research horrible incel. Thanks. I hate it. Vocabulary later. Uh, all I know is Chad and Stacy. That's all that's I know. That's all you need to know. And my lady. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Chrissy, favorite mommy. Gotta choose. Sorry. Just one. Oh, Sp- spin the wheel. Can't just be all. Yeah, spin the wheel. <laughs> it's gonna be... It, it's gonna be... Where... <laughs> Tony Todd is riffing the guy from his arsehole okay. to his neck. That's a good one. That's a good scene because, yeah, you realize that, okay, this isn't all on Helen's head. Like, yeah. you think maybe up to this point it's yeah. possible that it is, but then he shows up and just fucking murders that guy and then releases Helen. Just yeets away. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the self yeet. <laughs> I aspire to that one day. <laughs> I'm going to yeet. <laughs> Yeet the fuck out of here. Uh, yeah, but that's that's a good scene. That's a good nope, choice, I feel good, like. I do enjoy it. Uh, also, yeah, just that scene where she's on the bed and then he's just floating over her. Like, oh, he just slowly fuck. floats I down. Would, I would kill her. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I would kill to see Tony Tullivar. Yeah, I just, Oof. I like that scene, too. It's just a really good, visually, it's really good. Uh, mm. 
And especially when she looks back on that footage and no one's yeah. there. Yeah, she's just sure. screaming at the air. So she so she's having that moment of self doubt. Yes. And then just and then just yeet behind him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so oh, final thoughts. This is just kind of like I mean, no, actually, this isn't a lot like Get Out. This is very different. This is a very different horror movie than we've covered before. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the urban le- legend aspect and uh, the fact that this wasn't written originally as a commentary on race, it was more just on the class divide. It kind of was. I mean, mm-hmm. the class divide in Britain still is race-based. I mean, based. yeah, everywhere is always race-based. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because humans are terrible things. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. With shitty people. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say that that Barker wasn't writing about race yeah, necessarily. But um, but yeah, this is a very unique movie, and compared to what we've covered in the past, um, I don't think that we've seen anything like this. At least I haven't. This is, this is a very unique experience watching this film. So, um, go into it, w- just fresh slate. Just watch it without. Don't listen to this episode before you watch it. Watch it first, please. Which I mean, we're at the end of the episode now, so you've already heard this. <laughs> they, people should do that with every film. Yeah, watch. sure. Watch it fucking first. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have at least kind of a precursor, uh, precursory knowledge of the movie going into most of our episodes. I would say, unless we spoil it's new. Everything. <laughs> yeah, normally, we try and warn people that we're going to spoil something, but yes, mm-hmm. uh, we we do. Spoil. A if lot you're of listening stuff. to a podcast or a horror movie yeah. that's over twenty something years old, <laughs> you know it's gonna get spoiled. Yeah, and yeah. in, in like in, any of the ones that are newer, we do say we it's there's a spoiler alert mm, at the beginning, sure. like when we did Get Out and when we did It Follows. Yeah, we said that we would spoil it. So yeah. I mean, whatever. But yeah, no. Um, I really like this movie, and uh, I I. Uh, I had no preconception of what it was about going into it. And so it's, like I said, it's so far been one of the most unique horror movies I've seen. Yeah, and I told you when we were about to start watching it, I said, you're really going to like this one. Yeah, yeah, and, you said it, <laughs> and it's, not, it's not like my favorite in the world or anything like that, but I, yeah, no, everything about it, it hits all the points for me that I love horror movies to hit. Yes. It's, it's conscious of itself. It has really good action. It has really good gore. It has really good story. Like, everything hits the right marks for me. So. Yes. Barker is great at writing these socially conscious mm-hmm. narratives. And this movie adapts a socially conscious narrative really well. And it also reignited my thirst. <laughs> my, 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 uh, my thought level thirst. <laughs> and... <laughs> I am. He's very high up on the list you're a, of fuckable horror characters. Yeah, you're you're a Tony Thought. Yeah, I'm a Tony Thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. He exudes the big dom energy, and he has the deep baritone voice. I had no chance. The, Clive Barker really has a way of when his stories are adapted. There's really a way of it still keeping yeah that narrative. Uh, but also telling a good story and also like having great world building and great uh, just things like little things in it. It's the details are what really makes it important. Yeah. Uh, so, so somehow this was adapted from a short story. Forbidden is a short story. Yes. Fucking. It takes Stephen King thousands and thousands of world of words to build a world that's as concise and fully formed as something Clive Barker was able to do in probably, you know, 400 or 500. 
Like, how the fuck? He's just amazing. I mean, He's just an amazing author. Barker's now on that Stephen King level of millions of pages. Oh, is he? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, like... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, like we were talking in... Abra- yeah. The last Aberat book... I don't know where my copy is, but I got the hardback because I only buy the hardback of the Abra books, but it's at least this thick. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like a Bible. Well, in the, in, the, <laughs> yeah. in the fact, like, Stephen King, he's doing, like, multiple books in a series, like uh, like the Dark Tower yeah, series yeah, for King, but I'm sure Barker's probably doing it a little bit better, I would imagine, uh, just because but- Barker seems to have more... Concise yeah. detail, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't know, it's just he seems able to create a concise narrative in much less of a space than some of the other authors, authors, not authors. Are- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be controversial and say that the Aberat series is better than the Dark Tower. I mean, I don't think that's controversial. Uh, honestly, I so far after dipping my toe into the Barkerverse, I am more partial <laughs> to Barker than I am King. That's just me, though. Yeah, so. as far as like actual stories are concerned, Barker tends to do better stories yeah. and world building, yeah. like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wait until you watch Nightbreed. Cause... Yeah, I am. I am excited. Like, I keep trying to find. I will say, I wanted to go into the Nightbreed episode with having what or read Cabal. I can't find it, so I'm just kind of. Gonna watch the and, movie. and there's me who found a random copy of it in a pub in Hastings. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine it's maybe easier to find in the UK than it is in America, maybe. but I'm really mm. not sure, actually. I still haven't gone to Barnes & Noble yet, but, I mean, it's whatever. I don't, I don't want to go to Barnes & Noble. I don't want to go to 288. It has nothing yeah, to do with the store. I just don't want to go to that yeah. side of Denton. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just more like uh, random local knowledge that, yeah. <laughs> that y'all, y'all have just been endowed with. Uh, <laughs> 288 sucks. Um, as much as I hate Amazon, you can find it on Amazon for about four or five bucks. I don't want to wait for things. I need, in, <laughs> I need, in, I'm an American. I need instant gratification. Excuse me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, as usual, at this point, I've already uh, put up the social media part of the episode, so we don't have to do that. I anymore. love not having to do that. Yeah, me I, too. I love not having to do that. Me too. And I'm glad that I did it for Hellraiser, and now it's just set, and then I'll just keep playing it, and then. That's it. I don't have Sweet. to record it again. Yes. <laughs> and, we, and we can stop talking about it now. True. Okay, next episode, we don't even have to say anything. Won't even mention yeah. it. Awesome. We'll just say, we love you. Yep. Thanks Absolutely. for listening. We love you, people. Yes, thank you for listening to me talk about how I want to fuck Tony <laughs> <laughs> If there's one takeaway from this episode, I'm sure that that was it. <laughs> thank you for sitting through that whole section about beaches. Uh, and jizzing bees. <laughs> Beeches? Well, we're dumping fat bees. Yeah. Oh! I thought it was like a bee job. <laughs> BJ's bee job. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what happens when you give Candyman head. Just, it's a bee job. Sweet! Oh. <laughs> oh. It's BJ. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. We love you. I'm sorry that that got kind of kind of weird at the end <laughs> thanks for thanks for sitting through even that section <laughs> to hearing this part about where we say we love you again uh, uh and uh have uh, a great day for sure and, and week and month and year in life <laughs> <laughs> bye. later bye guys